You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. If you'd like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you can share your own thoughts and reflections about today's readings with those who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 266. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 24, Paragraphs 725 to 732. Chapter 24. The side of Christ is open with the lance as his body hangs on the cross. He is taken down and buried. The doings of the Blessed Mother on this occasion, and until she returned to the Seneca. 725. The evangelist St. John tells us that near the cross stood Mary, the most holy mother of Jesus, with Mary Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. Although this is said of the time before Jesus expired, it must be understood that the unconquerable queen remained also afterwards, always standing beneath the cross and adoring her dead Jesus and his divinity inseparably united to his sacred body. Amid the impetuous floods of sorrow that penetrated to the inmost recesses of her chaste's heart, the great lady remained immovably constant in the exercise of ineffable virtues. While contemplating within her the mysteries of man's redemption and the order in which divine wisdom disposed of all these sacraments, the greatest affliction of the Mother of Mercy was the traitorous ingratitude which men to their own great loss would show toward his extraordinary blessing, so worthy of eternal thanksgiving. But now she was especially solicitous for the burial of the sacred body of her divine Son, and how to procure someone to take it down from the cross. Full of this sorrow, anxiety, keeping her heavenly eyes riveted upon it, she turned to her holy angels around her and spoke to them. Ministers of the Most High, my friends in tribulation, you know that there is no sorrow like unto my sorrow. Tell me then, how shall I take down from the cross whom my soul loves? How and where shall I give him honorable burial, since his duty pertains to me as his mother? Tell me what to do and to assist me on this occasion by your diligence. 7.26 The holy angels answered, Our queen and mistress, let thy afflicted heart be dilated for what is still to be born. The omnipotent Lord has concealed his glory and power from mortals in order to subject himself to the cruelty of man's impious malice and has always permitted the laws established for the course of human events to be fulfilled. One of them is that the condemned shall not leave the cross without the consent of the judge. We are ready and able to obey thee and to defend our true God and Creator, but this will restrain us, because he wishes to justify his cause to the end and to shed the rest of the blood still in him for the benefit of mankind 
and in order that he may bind them still more firmly to make a return for his copious and redeeming love. Psalm 79.7 If they do not avail themselves of this blessing as they ought, their punishment shall be deplorable, and its severity shall make amends for the long-suffering of God in delaying his vengeance. This answer of the angels increased the sorrow of the afflicted mother, for it had not been as yet revealed to her that her divine son should be wounded by the lands, and the fear of what should happen to the sacred body renewed her tribulation and anxiety. 7.27 She soon saw an armored band approaching Calvary, and in her dread of some new outrage against the deceased Savior, she spoke to St. John and the pious woman, Alas, now shall my affliction reach its utmost and transfix my heart. Is it possible that the executioners and the Jews are not yet satisfied with having put to death my son and Lord? Shall they now heap more injury upon his dead body? It was the evening of the great Sabbath of the Jews, and in order to celebrate with unburdened minds, they had asked Pilate for permission to shatter the limbs of the three men sentenced, so that their death being hastened, they might be taken from the crosses and not left on them for the following day. With this intent and company of the soldiers, which Mary now saw, had come to Mount Calvary, as they perceived the two thieves still alive, they broke their limbs and so hastened to their end. John 19.31 But when they examined Jesus, they found him already dead, and therefore did not break his bones, thus fulfilling the mysterious prophecy in Exodus, commanding that no bones be broken in the figurative lamb to be eaten for the Pasch. But a soldier by the name of Longinus, approaching the cross of Christ, thrust his lance through the side of the Savior. Immediately water and blood flowed from the wound, as St. John, who saw it, and who gives testimony of the truth, assures us. John 19.34, 7.28 The wounding of the lance, which could not be felt by the sacred and dead body of the Lord, was felt by the most blessed mother in his stead and in the same manner as if the chaste bosom had been pierced. But even this pain was exceeded by the affliction of her most holy soul in witnessing the cruel laceration of the breast of her divine son. At the same time, moved by compassion and love and in forgetfulness of her own sorrow, she said to Longinus, The Almighty look upon thee with eyes of mercy for the pain thou hast caused to my soul. So far and no farther went her indignation or more properly, her most merciful meekness, for the instruction of all of us who are ever injured. For to the mind of this sincerest dove, this injury to the dead Christ weighed most heavily, and the retribution sought by her for the delinquent was one of the greatest blessings, namely that God should look upon him with eyes of mercy and return blessings and gifts of grace for the offense. Thus it also happened for the Savior, moved by the prayer of his blessed mother, ordained that some of the blood and water from his sacred side should drop upon the face of Longinus and restore to him his eyesight, which he had almost lost. At the same time, sight was given to his soul, so he could be recognized to the crucified, his Savior, whom he had so inhumanly mutilated. Through this enlightenment, Longinus was converted, weeping over his sins and having washed them in the blood and water of the side of Christ, he openly acknowledged and confessed him as the true God and Savior of the world. He proclaimed him as such in the presence of the Jews, confounding by his testimony their perfidy and hardness of heart. 729. The most prudent queen then perceived the mystery of this lance thrust, namely that in his last pouring forth of the blood and water issued forth the new church, 
cleansed and washed by the passion of the death of Jesus, and that from his sacred side, as from the roots, should now spread out through the whole world the fruits of life eternal. She conferred within herself also upon the mystery of that rock struck by the rod of divine justice. Exodus 17.6 In order that the living waters might issue forth, quenching the thirst of all the human race, and retreating and refreshing all who betook themselves to drink therefrom. She considered the coincidence of the five fountains from the wounds of his hands, feet, and sides, which opened up the new paradise of the most holy humanity of the Savior, and which were more copious and powerful to fertilize the earth than those of the terrestrial paradise, divided into four streams over the surface of the globe. Genesis 2.10 These and other mysteries of the great lady rehearsed in a canticle of praise, which she composed in honor of her divine son, after his being wounded by the lance. Together with this canticle, she poured forth the most fervent prayer that all these mysteries of the redemption be verified in the blessings spread over the whole human race. 7.30 The evening of that day of the Perceive was already approaching, and the loving mother had as yet no solution of the difficulty of the burial of her dead son, which she desired so much. But the Lord ordained that the tribulations of his tenderest mother should be relieved by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, whom he had inspired with the thought of caring for the burial of their master. They were both just men and disciples of the Lord, although not of the seventy-two, for they had not as yet openly confessed themselves as disciples for fear of the Jews, who suspected and hated as enemies all those that followed Christ and acknowledged him as teacher. The dispositions of divine providence concerning the burial of her son had not been made known to the most prudent virgin, and thus her painful anxiety increased to such an extent that she saw no way out of the difficulty. In her affliction she raised her eyes to heaven and said, Eternal Father and my Lord, by the condescension of thy goodness and infinite wisdom I was raised to the exalted dignity of being the mother of thy son, and by that same bounty of an immense God. Thou hast permitted me to nurse him at my breast, nourish him and accompany him to his death, now it behooves me as his mother to give honorable burial to his sacred body, though I can go no further than to desire it, and deeply grieve because I am unable to fulfill my wishes. I beseech thy divine majesty to provide some way for accomplishing my desires. This prayer of the loving mother offered up after the sacred body of the Lord was perforated by the lance. Soon after, she saw another group of men coming toward Calvary with ladders and other apparatus, seemingly for the purpose of taking from the cross her priceless treasure. But as she did not know their intentions, she was tortured by new fears of the cruelty of the Jews. And turning to St. John, she said, My son, what may be the object of these people in coming with all these instruments? The apostle answered, Do not fear them that are coming, my lady, for they are Joseph and Nicodemus with some of the servants all of them friends and servants of thy divine Son and my Lord. Joseph was just in the eyes of the Most High, John 19.38, a noble decurion in the employment of the government, a member of the council, who, as is given to understand in the gospel, had not consented to the resolves in the proceedings of the murders of Christ, and who had recognized Jesus as the true Messiah. Although Joseph had been a secret disciple of the Lord, yet at his death in consequence of the efficacious influence of the redemption, he openly confessed his adherence. Setting aside all fear of the envy of the Jews and caring nothing for the power of the Romans, he went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus in order to take him down from the cross and give him honorable burial, 
he openly maintained that he was innocent and that the true Son of God is witnessed by the miracles of his life and death. 732. Pilate dared not refuse the request of Joseph, but gave him full permission to dispose of the dead body of Jesus as he thought fit. With this permission, Joseph left the house of the judge and called upon Nicodemus. He too was a just man, learned in divine and human letters and in the holy scriptures, as is evident in what St. John related of him when he visited Christ at night in order to hear the doctrine of Jesus. John 3, 2. Joseph provided the winding sheets and burial cloths for the body of Jesus, while Nicodemus brought about 100 pounds of the spices which the Jews were accustomed to use in the burial of distinguished men. Matthew 27:59. Provided with these and with other necessaries, they took their way to Calvary. They were accompanied by their servant and some other pious and devout persons, in whom likewise the blood shed for all the crucified God had produced its salutary effects. This concludes our reading today for day number 266. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 24, paragraphs 725 to 732. At the beginning of Jesus's life, Simeon told Mary, a sword would pierce your heart. And in today's reading, that prophecy ultimately fulfilled. As the lance goes into the side of Jesus, it pierces the heart of Our Lady. She is overcome with sadness for their hurting the body of Jesus. She had all this sorrow along the way of the cross, but this pierces her heart so deeply. Mary, in that moment, though, doesn't focus on that pain, doesn't focus on that sorrow of hers, but she cares about the person who did it. And as the lady who desires the conversion of all sinners, she cries out to God and asks for mercy on that soul. And then that mercy happened. We know it from the Gospels. We know that he says, truly, this was the Son of God. Longinus, according to Maria of Agreda, going blind, has the precious blood of Jesus drop on his face, and he and his eyesight is restored. How often we see eyesight restored in the scriptures. For Paul, scales fell from his eyes. In the book of Tobit, when that bird drops dung into the eyes of an individual. There is physical blindness, yes, but there is that spiritual blindness. And for Longinus, not only is his physical blindness healed, but spiritually also healed. He comes to believe in Jesus, just like Paul, after the scales fall from his eyes, sees Christ more clearly, sees his will. And spiritually today, maybe it would be advantageous for us to pray, asking the Lord to remove any blindness from our own eyes spiritually, to remove the blindness when we look at our brother or sister, to restore our eyesight so that we might see God at work in the world and that we might see our brother or sister as a friend of Jesus. 
I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.